You're listening to a DM podcast. Welcome back to Behind the Podcast. Stocks running solo this week. This week, joined by JD and Travis from the appropriately named Awesome Black Media. I had the pleasure of working with these two recently on the Spotify Sound Up program, which they ran. Awesome Black Media is podcasts, content, artists, and merch from First Nation creators. There's also the Awesome Black Box, which is a quarterly subscription box supporting First Nations artisans. Just go to their website at awesomeblack.org. This is a fun chat with two people doing incredible work within the audio space. Travis and JD, tell us about Awesome Black. Uh, hi, uh, I'm Travis DeFries. I'm a Gamilaroi Darug man. I was born in Mossbrook and I've kind of worked in the arts for 15 years uh, and started getting into podcasting as early as 2016, actually, way back then. And uh, in 2018, I started my own show and then in 2020, um, founded Awesome Black. Hi, oh, Yama. I'm Jade. I'm a proud Gamilaroi woman born on Wanarua country um, and am now back living on Wanarua country. I am not actually a podcaster myself. (laughs) I am very much a behind the scenes person and that's where I like to stay. So I'm a bit out of my comfort zone (laughs) at the moment. I only really got into podcasting when I started getting involved in Awesome Black. I've been trying to get Jade on a podcast for to guest on one of my shows for years, um, and it's never happened. So I'm very excited by <laughs> her um, her joining us today. Oh, this is fantastic! I mean, I know when we were working uh, on the Sound Up program, I did hit up Jade many times to come on, and now I understand the reluctance or the the hesitation to come on. So, look, thank you for coming on, Jade. Um, look, this podcast is about going behind the podcast so very much you're, you're exactly the kind of people we want to be talking to it doesn't have to be podcasters and we have been doing a series of talking to podcast producers uh, and all of them had the same apprehensions before jumping on and they all sound wonderful so you know let's have some fun awesome uh should we talk a little bit about awesome black love to so yeah we started awesome black in 2020 as a uh indigenous corporation i've been kicking around the idea for about 18 months before that from a very selfish sort of point of view is because i had a show that i was doing with my brother originals and i kind of realized that as an independent show we were only going to get so many more listens like we'd have the occasional viral meme and get a whole bunch of new people for an episode or so but but we we needed a community of people to sort of bring up our listenership and sort of have uh, extended play in that space and the idea I kind of came up with with was rather than like joining with a non-indigenous organization or anything like that like I was like well why don't we why don't we make our own space for this something that's like authentically ours and that is all about sharing skills audiences resources and talent between shows and between independent blackfella shows um and we went and did a bunch of research and like found out the right came up with the right sort of um model for it took a lot of inspiration from like uh community television stations in uh the u.s and their sort of uh audience supported model and 
yeah, we launched we launched in 2020, two weeks before COVID hit. <laughs> um, so that put a damper on things. But then now we're like, every time we turn a corner with what we're doing, we like sort of find another gap in the industry, like not just the podcasting industry, but like the creative industries as a whole, that there's like not not a space for black fellas doing this thing or that thing and it's like well why why not and then we like go okay let's try and work out and get some people into that space so that the dollar that gets spent in that space is benefiting black communities because we like that's one of our sort of core ideologies with this mm. is that we want as much money going into black fellow communities as we can like we totally believe in black economics and everything that we put into our, our shows like we throw money at other black fellow businesses and um supporting like supporting each other another thing we're really trying to push for and kind of break the status quo of as a black business is for our voices to be our own and take away like a lot of the narrative around black fella content is to do with trauma and Australian history um, and what we're really trying to do is let our creators just be creators if they want to do something that's not about Australian history and trauma if they want to do something super nerdy and geeky that's just about Marvel or D&D or something, they can. They don't have to have that trauma. We are humans and people as well. Well, it look, really comes through in the shows that you create. I was listening on my way in this morning to Yarn Quest, and that's just a fantastic podcast. Can we walk through some of your shows and just tell us a little bit about them? Can we start with Yarn Quest? Yeah, Yarn Quest is my baby. Um, <laughs> I made um, with Brooks Gobi, who works for us as well. When we started doing Yarn Quest when we first started Awesome Black and we were kind of just coming up with ideas and testing the waters for different content we could be making, kind of just trying all these different things and seeing what stuck. So Yarn Quest was our idea for a one episode special to celebrate uh, National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Children's Day. Uh, I think the first few days we ended up getting like a thousand listens, which for us is a very small indie company at the time was huge so we kept making it and it's grown more and more popular we're in our second season now our first season we only had seven episodes and now second season we're doing like 20 or 25 episodes and we're actually bringing on a first nations expert to talk to the kids in the episodes so you know, just to continue honing in that kids can do anything, especially First Nations kids. Our people are really cool. <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun getting stories. We get submissions from kids. Um, one of my favourite ones, which I say all the time, we had a story submission for art. Uh, and the only thing in this story about art, it was about a unicorn and the horn was a paintbrush. And that was the only thing. But I just love that they're just crazy and wild and whatever. And, and how do most of the submissions come in for the, with the yarns? Is it via a website or...? Honestly, a lot via Instagram, which is... It's, a, it's, it's one of those, like, ideas that you wish was... You, you think when you come up with it, it's like, oh, yeah, it's super easy. We'll get heaps of submissions. 
and like every every time it's like oh we we're, we don't have two stories for this episode guys let's let's go and talk to our cousin's uh, daughter and, and and get her to write a story yeah it's a lot of fun uh, and it's that sort of thing with uh, audience submitted content is that it can be a little tricky to especially with like with kids can be really tricky to gather stuff yeah and we get um it's our whole team being creative we get um sometimes a drawing sent in or just one sentence that takes two seconds to record so we kind of have to with permission of the parent and the kid expand that story and bring it to life what a great idea Fantastic. And then you mentioned before, Travis, the original podcast that I guess was the jumping off point for Awesome Black Media was Bro Originals. Yeah. So, I actually, before I did Bro Originals, um, I was making Deadly Voices from the house at the Opera House uh, with Rhoda Roberts. And then right. and then I made three episodes of a show that has never been released um, that was all about short stories um, set in Indigenous mythology. Uh, and I would come up with a concept each time and then write a short story from that. And then in 2018, uh, when I left the Opera House, I we launched Pro Originals and it was just sort of a way to, like, kind of have a kick-on with my brother online because um, we played a whole bunch of online video games and had sort of reconnected after not hanging out for a while. And this just sort of became a vehicle for us to, like, hang out and have some fun and it was again it was audience submitted content we the whole thing was about being a successful aboriginal and whatever that means to people people would write in questions and ask for advice and and like we use that as that jumping off point for a bit of improv comedy and banter um yeah your first episodes were like the 10 habits of successful aboriginals or something. yeah we wrote a fake self-help book and the whole thing was a sort of deep fake kind of play on us being gurus and like it was it was a lot of fun um and uh you know we did a few live shows and um you know we played down in melbourne and the australian museum we had a full house there and yeah and we we got to sort of a hundred episodes uh early last year and yeah, we kind of, we called it and sort of decided to, we'd done, we were sort of done with that vehicle and um, uh, Tex and Rella didn't really want to make any shows for a while and um, I, I'd had another show that I'd started, Fear of a Black Planet, um, which uh, as soon as, once we went into our second lockdown, it became really, really hard to make that show because it was all about in-person recording and bouncing off people and like playing really big improv games uh in a sort of safe space for telling a story about aboriginal sovereignty and um uh like big we were doing big fiction things but um and having like big conversations through characters so I, yeah I've, it's been interesting because like the almost for the last year i haven't made a podcast i've been um helping everyone else <laughs> get their shows up and running well, it's that um, yeah, building capacity, aren't you? I mean, it's it's fantastic. Maybe this is a really good time to jump into a bit of your journey, I guess, Travis, and then we can come back to... There's a couple of the other shows I want to walk through after. Um, but, I mean, you've got a fascinating backstory. It's all the different things that you like. You're a, um, 
visual artist, dancer, you're a producer at the Opera House. Can you run us through a bit of your journey of how you... you, don't, you don't, uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do you have, you, you've, got, you've got a piece of paper in front of you that says all these things. It? <laughs> it's all impressive stuff. I mean, it's really interesting to see how people's previous careers informs where they are now and how, how that relates to podcasting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's a, I've had a really big kind of trajectory there. Because I actually originally started off studying fine arts and uh, kind of got to a point at the end, towards the end of my first year where, like, the concepts that I wanted to explore weren't... Um, it was very, like, wanky art school nonsense. But the concepts that I wanted to wankily art school explore didn't really fit into the fine art medium that was being taught at uni. Uh, and my lecturers suggested that I uh, go and get into film or um, dance or movement. Uh, and I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to go and get trained in one of those things and figure that out and go and play. And I ended up... Um, basically joining uh, a dance uh, auditioning and getting into a dance college and spent the next uh, six years training and then performing uh, with Bangara Dance Theatre which was just like something that I had never really expected or wanted to do I just sort of like fell into this career and then realised that I was like Oh, I'm I'm performing. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a hundred nights of the same show. <laughs> um, this is not who I am, really. And like one of the, I guess like one of the things with my like arts practice and creative sort of practice is like I've always wanted to know everything about all of it that goes into it. So like while I was at Bangara, I was like talking to like the costume designers and the lighting department and the sound guys. And, um, and the composer, David Page, has passed away now. And, like, hanging out with all of them as much as possible and just, like, sponging. And I'd, I'd like, studied music through high school and um, uh, had done, like, a little bit of work at the local state radio station as well. And then, like, when I left Bangara, I ended up just going, oh, oh, no, I'm, I'm suddenly don't have any income. <laughs> I know, and I've got all of these sort of soft soft skills and I, I'm, a, I'm qualified to be a dancer <laughs> um, which is absolutely no qualification at all <laughs> so I kind of talked really fast and um, got myself into the job at the Opera House which like absolutely props go to Rhoda Roberts for that because like she I applied for the job and everything but like she called me up and was like can you actually do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I reckon, I reckon so. She's like, are you good with computers? I was like, hells yeah, I am. I, yep. She's like, okay. I'm a I'm mad gonna, gamer. I'm um, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to fight for you. Um, and yeah, she, she like fought for me to get the job and, and then, yeah. And then I did six years at the opera house as a producer for first nations programs there and like helped create, uh, huge sort of festivals and like we worked on Vivid Live and we worked, Rhoda and I came up with Home Ground and Dance Rides which was uh, two like massive First Nations music, dance and arts festivals. Uh, yeah, from there I kind of, um, well 
like throughout all that time, I was still painting and doing vis visual art stuff and uh, making a bit of music here and there, uh, and decided I was going to try and do that full time and become a like proper artist. So I uh, basically took a year off from work and created like a major um, exhibition and um, showed in in Sydney and Musselbrook, the hometown. Yeah, and then I was like, okay, well, I've I've done that, <laughs> um, and and that was that was when my original started. Um, right. It was, yeah, it was it was just like I don't, like I just kind of do not sleep, I guess, um, or didn't know when to like slow down. So like during making that exhibition, that was when I started the the podcast. None of this makes any sense because it's just like, yeah, I did this, then I did that. Uh, just so it's like, yeah, I want to try my hand at this. You know that like annoying saying, like uh, jack of all trades but master of none? Yes. I kind of like, I, I enjoy that saying, but I like, I try and go in and master everything that I throw my hand at. Like I'll like, not the whole thing, but just the medium for how I want to use it. So, like, with, with, like, podcast stuff, like, a lot of what I was doing with Ro Originals was taking the sort of form of podcasting and how it, like, how it works creatively with, you know, your, your regular podcast is two white guy hosts having a bit of banter um, and a bit of back and forth. So, and then you have your ad break in the middle and, you know, they spruik mattresses. So I, we were taking that and sort of flipping it on its head. So we were doing like fake ads for um, a fake uh, black fella sex shop that we'd invented. Um, and then we designed that brand for Kinky Curry, the fake sex shop that we'd come up with and started selling those T-shirts. So the, like, the whole thing was sort of like a extended performance art piece. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, look, that's just a classic podcast background. There are no second-generation podcasters in the world because it's just too young a space. Um, your story is quite quintessential. I mean, what I love about what you've done is you've got the performance side and you are a host, but you've also, just from being around you a little bit, I've seen how much you are you want to know everything and that comes across in, in your journey. And then you've had the production side. I imagine that production role involved a lot of just problem-solving as well. And um and being quite creative and and that really I guess ties in beautifully into where um awesome black is I mean you guys do so many different things you're creating podcasts you're doing workshops you're um obviously the digital creator program that you did with Spotify Sound Up which is I mean I don't even know how to describe what's involved in logistics of that you have to run you're running a workshop but you're also sourcing talent as you got to you know find a cohort of people and then you actually got to look after the people organizing an event and then also reporting delivering returns it's got to all be quantifiable and then also you're trying to actually take people on a journey to become podcasters and and building out a world i mean it's a phenomenal undertaking so um i you may be a jack of all trades but you are also a you're not um master of none i think you're a master of a few different things to be honest with you and <laughs> not to uh, pee in your pocket Try, trying no yeah. not trying and Go look ahead, jade please. you have an artistic background as well is yeah is is that something that brought you together or what was um i mean how did you guys start working together how did you guys meet we met <laughs> um it's a very weird story to tell i think anyway um 
I had dropped out of uni in my first year of fine art, just like Trav, and nice. later on. Um, and I was working at the Regional Gallery in Musselbrook for about four years, which is where I actually met Trav. Um, I was right. working with his dad at the time. His dad was my boss. And when we met, we were both in very, very serious relationships. <laughs> um, and then Travis was living in Sydney at the time. I met when Trav was in an art prize that was exhibiting at the gallery. Um, and we were just hanging out, putting, like installing the exhibition. That was actually, I think I met you in my first week. I started that job. And then four years later, I ended up moving to Sydney the very same time that Travis was moving back to the Hunter Valley. So we were both single by then <laughs> and started hanging out and then we went our separate ways. And then I worked in another gallery for four years and decided to start pursuing my own creative ambitions. Yeah, now you're an illustrator. Yeah, now I'm an illustrator. Um, I've just finished or almost finished illustrating uh, six children's books for Ash Barty, her series Little Ash. Oh, wow. Which is very fun. Um, I'm about 90% done from the sixth one. So once that's done, I will be properly celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. What are the books called? <coughs> um, they're called Little Ash. They're fiction books based on Ash when she was seven years old. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. We were actually thinking about like making a bit of content around like how Jade got that sort of those book publisher con- contacts and, and, and how that all happened because it was kind of interesting like we were talking about like how like when we start when, she, when you started talking to the publishers like you you don't really have and still don't like you don't have huge number of followers on Instagram or anything like that but like you've been kind of working at this like when you got your iPad back in mm. 2019 or 2020 mm, no idea and and like like your kind of journey from of starting with that to now and and like just how it's like it's not about necessarily chasing big numbers on Instagram or anything like that like we you, you got that just because we kind of were talking to um we got in the door with the publisher and had a conversation with them and mm. um for one of for one of my works and then i was like oh and i know some really cool other black fellas that are doing great stuff and are probably ready for um like a next stage opportunity and they checked out your work and it that was yeah yeah it's pretty crazy i know like a lot of people have a lot of thoughts and feelings about social media and numbers and following I always probably say weekly how crazy it is that I've illustrated six books I've got a contract for seven and I have just over 1,000 followers on Instagram um, which is where both publishers saw my work and decided they wanted to work with me wow is completely insane Yep, so it's not um, all about the likes and followers. Is there plans for a Little Ash audiobook produced by Awesome Black? No idea. 
<laughs> we should talk to them about yeah. that. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That sounds fun. So, coming back to some of your other shows, there's uh, one of my, well, actually two of my favorite ones that you have. There is Trash Teeters. Oh, no. Trash Teeters. Trash Teeters. Tell um, us a little bit about that. I mean, just, yeah, it, it's <laughs> so fun. I mean, if just fun just reading through the episode titles. Oh, um, good. We'll um, tell you as much as we can. Um, we actually don't listen to any full episodes. <laughs> Why is that? I, uh, well, I, I produced and edited the first episode, and one of the hosts of Trash Hitters is uh, my older sister, Tolly. Right. Um, and our other colleague, and uh, Brooke, who helps us run the creator program. And... Yeah, so it and a lot of the stuff that they talk about on the show is, um, I guess, like somewhat intimate details about their thoughts and feelings about trash TV, but also like their lives. Their personal understood, lives. understood. <laughs> um, I'm just we're very with the recording room. We're like very happy for with sound baffling. Yeah, yeah. it's um terrifying grabbing something for like promotional material and you're trying to listen to a snippet and go oh god please don't be an overshare I don't (laughs) I understand my sister oversharing yeah I I get it I'll just just for everyone who's listening this is the premise of the show as a description are you a proud dumpster fire of a human do you crave the sweet release of unadulterated shit talk well we've got the show for you and the hosts dive into the trash can of life and sort of middle to red hot title to give everyone just a little idea of what you're worrying about in terms of oversharing is the 81 year old ball sack is the title of an episode so i understand why you may be a little cl- too close to home so maybe we'll move on but check it out it's a re- it's really it's one fun of those, it's one of those clickbait titles they're known for every time we yeah. talk to someone they're like oh my god awesome black we love trash dinners <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun that's great that's great thumbs up guy <laughs> <laughs> Um, and look, um, the other one I was listening to this morning as well was the Awesome Black Summer Playlist. Ah, oh, sick. That's my baby. <laughs> yeah, very fun. Um, it's only available on Spotify, is it? Is it? Are you making that on Anchor? Yeah, making on Anchor just because of the words and music um, uh, little add-in there, which is super cool and like a very fun little feature of Anchor. So people who aren't across that, that's the functionality where it's music and talk so you can... Record your podcast in Anchor, and then not only can you reference songs, you can actually play the full song if it's on Spotify and insert it in. So this is like a, one of the perfect uses of this format. You get the guest on to talk about the top five songs they've listened to in the last year or so, um, and then you play the track and they talk about why they love it. It's such a great format and really good use of the t- uh, of a great bit of technology with Anchor. Yeah, it's something. I, it's a show that I'm going to do every summer, um, and we've thought about doing like a winter playlist of what as well of like sad boy songs um, <laughs> yeah I, I, like because i love like i love getting to know people through like their musical choices and like you know like if you're if i'm bringing you a playlist anthony it'd be very different to the playlist that i would bring to show jade to impress her because absolutely like, you want to you want to impress people with your musical choices and like and getting them to like bring five tracks and also like talk about why this track is sitting on their summer playlist like um, it's, it's like my dream show to make um, honestly like if I I think like when I was a 13 14 year old kid and listening to Triple J 
um i was like this this was like i think like every time i listened to it like the radio i was like oh i want to be on the radio one day um and this would have been the sort of show i would have wanted to make um, yeah it's a modern version of the old mixtape for those of you that are old enough to uh remember that <laughs> technology uh. <laughs> i used to I used to sit there with my cassette, down there, <laughs> <laughs> pressing record off Triple J. Uh, I mean, which gets ties in nicely. You've, you've been doing a lot of work with Spotify. Can you tell us a little bit about SoundUp and, and I guess what the purpose it is? You're in the second incarnation of it now. Um, and I guess what you're hoping to have um, the outcomes from it. Yeah, SoundUp um, is a really, really incredible program. Um, and like, I'm not just saying that because I'm. Uh, been a huge part of getting it where it is now it's Spotify's uh, originally it was a podcast accelerator but it's Spotify's uh, kind of way of creating equity in the podcast industry for um, underrepresented people who potentially could be podcasting but aren't you know the the stereotype for podcasters is that they're middle-aged white men and you know, Spotify is one of the big dogs in that industry and it's kind of their responsibility to make sure it isn't gentrified before it even gets going, which is why I really like this program is uh, Spotify runs it out in a lot of, di- of the different markets. So it started in the US and I think it started as a um, like a brunch uh, for women of color in the US. Uh, who are in podcasting and then it's grown from there to be this like week-long program and then a week-long program in Australia in uh, 2018 and I I actually applied uh, to be part of the cohort in 2018 and my application got knocked back and then the next day um, I heard from the heard from Spotify like hey um we knocked you back because you don't really need the program. You've already got a show. This is for people who who don't necessarily uh, aren't, aren't at that stage yet. Um, and they got me along to perf- uh, to like show people Bro Originals and show them like what a live show could be or what a podcast, a Blackfellow podcast could be. And then uh, at the end of 2020, we started talking to Spotify because we'd started Awesome Black and was like, well, why why not get a black fella production company to run this program for you? You know, the, the market for it or the audience for it is to benefit the black fella community and bring them up to speed with podcasting with Spotify. Why not bring in a black fella organization who is part of that community to work on the program and design it like co-design it with Spotify um, so that it suits our community because there's no point in designing programs like this from a top-down perspective. Um, mm, even just aligning it with other countries, like we are so different here to how it runs everywhere else. Yeah, there's not a like black people, indigenous people, uh, in black people in America are very different to black people here and like it's not the same and so why, you know, we don't, you don't run things, you don't paint everything with the same brush. So we were like we were able to work with Spotify um, like really in depth over six months to design the program. We did a call out um, for basically podcast ideas, so you don't have to have any experience. You, mm. you just have to have a concept or an idea that's like semi developed, and we t- 
take you through we took people 10 people through a uh, month long two night sessions a week sort of concept development workshop to take things from an idea to get them ready to pitch it and create a trailer so we did everything from um uh tech classes storytelling workshops and pitch design uh and and really like uh from a blackfellow blackfellow perspective like really looked at sort of concept uh design thinking mm-hmm. um and like going like big picture what could this look like what is what does it look like in a hundred episodes and and getting like people to really think outside the box around what is possible and then kind of honing that in and finding the essence of it again uh and creating this really good thing and then and then we brought uh everyone back and it's been a longer program because of covid um but brought everyone back a year later and um funded their pilots to be made um with production companies in sydney which um Diamantina was like one of those and it was like a really good opportunity for Awesome Black to um, build relationships with um, production companies around Sydney. Uh, like the the reason, like the, the conversation we had with Spotify when we kind of got in the door with them was that, um, you know, the all of the podcast production companies are predominantly... Um, white fella owned and, yep. and like we need to kind of we need to make space so that we can build our own table um and and invite those white fella companies to come and eat with us when we're ready and not have to like uh you know beg for scraps at the side of the table yeah uh, absolutely and, yeah and, and spotify have been like you know for for a major streaming company like that's you know i'm I'm very anti-capitalism, uh, but like for you know for a, for a major org that's yeah the company that hosts the biggest white man talking podcast in the world yeah 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 it's it's been a really like interesting process it's and it's not you know like we're not working with Spotify the company we're working with some really incredible people the people yeah um, in it and that like that's what it comes down to me is those like person-to-person relationships that we've been able to build with them and then the person-to-person relationships we've been really really lucky to build with um the pot the like coming up podcasters in the blackfella community who have like some great incredible strong ideas that like i can't wait to see come to life we've got um six pilots that have really really strong and uh, going to become these amazing shows hopefully really soon that's incredible i mean you're already doing amazing work but what does the future hold for awesome black media we're um actually doing a call out very soon because so just a, a little bit more like to go into the background of awesome black we're kind of two little companies so we've got the non-for-profit and which is also a charity um, and then we've got the private company, which does runs the programs and designs the programs so that, like, we can benefit from that and so that we're not left out in the cold. And one of the things that we're planning on doing and, like, the dreams that we've got is to have a purpose-built space for um, Blackfella content creation, kind of an hour to an hour and a half out of Sydney and buy a block of land and, and put four or five... Uh, sort of incredible studios on there that uh, non-Indigenous people can come and hire out and make their 
content and we fund from that like one studio that is year-round supported for um, First Nations creators Love to it. come and use without having to hire it. Mm. Um, so we're kind of like, that's, I mean, that's the big dream. And it's a huge, huge dream. We're doing little things to kind of slowly stepping towards that big goal. Yeah, we're about to we're about to start fundraising for that through the through the charity side of things though, which is uh, very exciting. Um, but like in the short term, we've started the Awesome Black Box, which is a um, uh, a First Nations subscription box filled with. Um, Five to six goodies. Uh, five to six goodies from Blackfella businesses around the country that Jade curates at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a secret little box that you uh, subscribe to and then you get this box every three months. It, it just again, like doing all that we can to, it's what I like to say for this box is just doing all that we can to inspire a ripple effect of people thinking and supporting First Nations first. And, it, and if anyone's interested, interested in that, it's on the homepage of the Awesome Black website. But we'll chuck it in the show notes as well. Sick. Um, yeah. And yeah, and one of the like, one of the other things we're doing at the moment, starting now, but is like building and in, into the future is one of those things I said earlier. Like every time we turn a corner, we find another like need within the industry, and uh, we kind of a couple of months ago we were like, oh, there's not really a blackfella talent agency and so it was like well we've got talent who work with us and um people will book them well why don't we do the admin side of that too because we've got you know they're already people reaching out to them through us we're already acting as a talent agency um or a creative agency and now there's also another Blackfellow talent agency, Agent Black. So, like, we're, like, you know, it's great minds are thinking alike. Like, there's this space for these things. And I'm, like, very right. glad that other Blackfellows are kind of taking that space and filling it up. Yeah, we want to see more of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember the lesson I, grew, I was taught fairly early in my entrepreneurial run was it, unless you can point out anyone else that's doing the same thing it's not a good idea you know people go oh I've got this idea and no one else has got it it's not it's not probably actually a good idea <laughs> but if you can see someone else is doing it that means it's you know that's definitely an opportunity so that talent agency sounds like a really good opportunity okay so what we normally like to do to um, sort of bookend the po- uh, this podcast is we get a recommendation from both of you on a podcast you like listening to enjoying or just want to recommend uh, actually I, I would just been curating Spotify's uh, Spotify Australia and New Zealand's First Nations shelf in the app um, so I've had to well not that not that I'm not listening to shows anyway but I've had to like go out and search for a bunch of new shows to add in there and um, try and find a bunch of things and, and so I've had the opportunity to listen to a bunch of new stuff recently. But I wanted to recommend um, uh, Stolen Surviving St. Michael's, which is a little bit of a heavier show. Um, it's the sequel to Stolen Search for Jermaine by Connie Walker. Um, and in the new season, Connie Walker is actually kind of going back into her own story. It's, it's an American show. It's a Spotify original. She's First Nations, uh, Turtle Island. Uh, and it's you know it's very much the first episode first season is about this like 
search for a missing First Nations woman, um, Jermaine. But this second season is going back into Connie's uh, family story um, and uh, their connection with um, the St. Michael's uh, Missionary School um, and, like, the sort of darkness that's Mm. happened in the past. And I really, really love... um, Connie Walker's style of storytelling and and how she sort of tackles these big things as a First Nations person and doesn't sort of like she doesn't whitewash them for like I would say the majority of the people listening to the show are probably white Americans and she does like she gives context to things but she also like really just sits in her identity as a First Nations woman. It's really um, it's really beautiful way of storytelling. Fantastic. I'll check that out. And Jade? That's such a good answer. Mine is just very mainstream. I love Reply All by Gimlet. Um, Great it's choice. Actually, it's it's <laughs> when Trav was trying really, really hard to get me into podcasting and I just hadn't found that episode or something that really got me hooked and wanting to listen to more he put on um uh, i think the episode's called case of the phantom caller or something like that and it i don't know i got me hooked i've since played it to like 10 different people in the car kind of holding them hostage making them listen to it and trying trying to convert them <laughs> into listening to podcasts um, and which means i've listened to it like 10 times as well beyond that and I still love it I'm still on edge I still get anxious listening to it like oh what's gonna happen and I know but um I don't know that episode that podcast I just love it that's such a great gateway episode it really is yeah (laughs) wonderful recommendation and just the final thing I guess to get you guys out of here on is any advice you have for someone who's just thinking of starting a podcast don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I think, like, you should absolutely do it. Like, but, like, don't just jump on a mic and turn it on. Like, take the time to sort of think about what it is that you want to say and why people would listen to you talk about it. Yeah. Um, because I think, like, I think everyone has a really interesting story that should, that everyone could hear but like if you spend the time kind of giving it the thought and bringing some sort of um uh structure to it you can tell it so much better than if you just you know switch the mic on and hit record yeah it definitely doesn't need to be like a written narrative that you're reading out word for word you just still be genuine and authentic um but yeah i just have some thought and some kind of structure or as we say a lot here organized chaos Organized yeah. chaos. Perfect. Like, I love the sort of um, the way podcasting has helped, like, me personally realize that, like, what I have to say is valid. I think before I started podcasting, I was probably reticent to talk on most things. Um, like, I wouldn't kind of stick my uh, neck out to be a, be a louder voice. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I actually realize, like... You know, like, I, I, I'll sit there and think about things and, like, my my voice does matter um, and, like, so does so many other people's. Absolutely. 
Well, organised chaos, I think that's a great note to end on. Yeah. Um, and such a great description of what we're all doing day to day here <laughs> uh, in podcast world. Jade and Travis, thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Anthony. Really appreciate you having us on.